Glad to see you. Welcome. We're doing a series on feasting. Uh, if you read News 24, there was a pastor in Mozambique who died this week from fasting for 40 days. Only Jesus and Moses were called to fast for 40 days. Don't be stupid. Follow the Bible. And um, no, I'm being dead serious. We, we try to be spiritual by external actions. And if you're worried and you brought your parents in and you say, that's our pastor with short pants and funny socks, what is on the inside is far more important than what's on the outside. And uh, although I want to impress you, and I would love you to come back because I'm trendy, but I'm not, and, um, but the inside is more important than what's on the outside. And we're trying to do that as we feast. Next week, we're going to have a proper feast. Uh, we are going to put on a meal for everybody. You don't have to bring anything, nothing at all. You just have to come. If you want to bring something, because we got to Mozambique, we're going to send food with the trip. But many times, friends, bringing food is easier than actually eating with poor people. And signing a check is sometimes easier than engaging with people who are at a different social status to us. And so when we look at the meals of Jesus, we're actually trying to get to the very heart of what he's trying to do. I'm not purposely trying to uh, irritate advocates. I'm actually just trying to get to the very root to say that in Christ, every one of us, despite our status in our position and our success and our cars and our houses and our place in society, every one of us is actually equal. And sitting in this room are educated, highly educated, highly skilled, highly trained, highly successful people, but outside of Jesus, you are nothing. Absolutely nothing. And those people that are an absolute disaster who've messed up your life, made one decision after the next that has led to a debauched, disastrous, dark night, in Christ you are whole. And in Christ you are free. And this is the meal that we participate in. Amen? And so it's good to be here. We're talking about eating together. We're talking about a peck of salt. We're talking about journeying around food. But the food is not just what's on the table. It's actually who's sitting at the table. And you'll see from the scripture today that the people who sit around your table is a true reflection of what's actually inside of your heart. And that's challenging. I've been doing a study in my own private time in the Psalms, and the Psalms start with a tree. And the, and the psalmist, if you read the psalms and the, and the commentaries on the psalm, the guy says, the psalms start with the tree. So you should just look at the tree and think, wow, a tree. You should just go and sit in Psalm chapter 1. A righteous man is like a tree planted by the river. And you should just go and watch a tree for a whole day. And so I did that. I didn't do a whole day, but I just went and watched for an hour. And then I actually realized you have this tree. You have this thing called 3CI. You have this incredible group of people. But underneath the tree, in order to hold it in the wind and to hold it in the rain, there's a very deep root system that goes in there. And so while we're doing this series, we're not just saying, wow, look what God is doing. He's filling the church up. We're saying, but God, where are your roots going? Where are, they, where are they penetrating into the recesses of my heart so that I'm actually being affected deep down under the ground where nobody can see? Amen? Amen? One, one of the words that says in Psalms, it's like a lion who's just had a kill and it sits next to its meal and it just starts to grumble like, and next week we're going to do that. We're going to have a feast with all kinds of people and we're just going to grumble like, and the poorers and the Greeks are paying for it. Awesome, eh? 
because the poor in Greek have to always pay for the food. If you think Nando's is like a proper lack of English word, it comes from Fernando, the Portuguese guy. And anyway, there's another Portuguese guy, I phoned us and said, I want to put money towards your food. And the Greek guys jumped on board and they're trying to get some English guys to help. But we know at the end of the day, the Afrikaners will bry. Because if the Afrikaners don't bry, the whole thing falls on its face. So Clint, you keep surfing and let the other oaks bry, bro. You with me? I remember my grandfather, and you should be thinking about meals, good meals, bad meals, happy meals, sad meals. But my grandfather was an Anglican minister. Where, where are those that he married? He married some of you. Why don't you stand? He married you, and there's another couple here that he married. 50 years ago. 53 years ago, my grandfather married you. And he used to sit, and, and he, was a, he was an Anglican guy. He wasn't a very wealthy man. And we used to go and stay with him on holiday. And for lunch, there was a cafe, Eric and Park Ren. He used to buy a loaf of white bread and mixed fruit jam. And he used to make just mixed fruit jam sandwiches for my sister and I. And he used to fold his arms and he used to look into the roof and he'd say, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting king. And I just remember for a jam sandwich, for a jam sandwich, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting king. So let's read, and you will be highly affected in your roots today. You'll be highly affected in your roots. We're going to go to Luke 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went out to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. That's just like a swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, welcome back advocates, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. That's a miracle. <laughs> so taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? You see, friends, religion doesn't heal you on Sundays. Christ does. Religion follows rules on Sundays. Christ follows where the pain is. Christ breaks the rules to get hold of people that need him. The rules keep you away. And sometimes when we see funny, strange people walking in here with colored socks, the rules tell us they don't really belong. They don't really fit in. They don't actually come, become part of our family. Then he asked them, if one of you is a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed... Say noticed. noticed. Now, we don't re really read Dale Carnegie because we believe in the Bible, but Dale Carnegie wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People, and he said the greatest need of a human being is to feel important. That is the greatest. We want to be noticed. We want to be feel important. We want to sit in the right places. We want people to take 
notice of our contribution to society. But I want to tell you this, friends, Jesus notices everything. And there's got to be a time where I actually kick out of the human race and I'm satisfied if man doesn't actually honor me that in the quietness of my heart, I know that Jesus sees me. Clint invited some of his friends for dinner on Thursday night and one of my friends was here, he was preaching and there was a guy sitting right at the back, his name is Chad and uh, he he was just sitting there and and, and the, the meal went on and then somebody stood up and he said, hey Chad, what's God called you to? And, and, he, and he got up almost shaking and he said, 12 years ago, God called me to preach and I've been fighting it for 12 years. And I said tonight that if somebody calls me by name, I will make myself available to Jesus. He said, I pray that somebody would call me by name 12 years and Jesus noticed him. So I just got up and said, you're preaching next week, Chad. Apparently he hasn't slept well. But somewhere between the timings of God and the immediate implementation of His plan, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you get seen or not seen when you come to church. Jesus notices you. He knows your marriage. He knows your finances. He knows your problem. He knows your Greekness. He knows your Englishness. He knows you. He knows when you're sitting on the school schoolroom play yard and nobody's playing with you. Jesus notices you. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told him this parable. Tim Keller says this whole story is really about a story he tells of a farmer in England. He said the farmer had had cows and he had two calves. And he came into his wife, he thought it was just pregnant with one calf, he had two calves. He came into his wife with great excitement, he said, we've had twins And she said, and what does that mean? He said, I'm going to keep one for myself. I'm going to give one to the Lord. True story. And as the calves grew up, they got healthy. Then they both got some sickness and the one died. And he came and the wife said, which one died? He says, the Lord's one died. (laughs) And Tim Keller said, isn't it amazing? It's always the Lord's calf that dies. Isn't it amazing? It's always the Lord's God. Because we've always got choices. We've always got priorities. We've always got a busy schedule. But it always seems to be the Lord's cough that dies. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, says this scripture is all about money and the priority of money and the need for us to climb up a social circle as opposed to serving people. Let's keep reading. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. Say important. Important. Dale Carnegie says we love to be important. In the church, Jesus is important. You say, Rory, then why do you take the seat in the front? Because it's the easiest place to lead the meeting from. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone, say everyone. Everyone everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. 
And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors from Moycliffe. You say, Rory, you're quite hard on Moycliffe. Okay, boardwalk meander. <laughs> say, oh, Rory, you're quite hard on boardwalk meander. Okay, Woodhill. Stop having fancy dinner parties. Does that mean you can't have dinner parties with your friends from Woodhill? No, of course it doesn't mean that. It just means you've got to test who's around your table to actually realize if the gospel's got into your heart. Because the moment you become successful in society, you think you've actually arrived somewhere. You are literally holding on by the thread of God's grace. Every one of us. So I preach off the floor, friends, and if you don't understand that you are needy, then you'll never give grace to anybody else who's needy. We're not dealing with the tree, we're dealing with the roots. And you realize that actually as time goes on and our effort and our hard work and our, our careers and our practices become successful, we become more and more out of touch with why Jesus actually came for needy people. If you do, they might invite you back to Moycliffe so that you may be repaid in Boardwalk. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Oaks who can't see anything. They can't see the wood from the trees. They can't see a future in South Africa. They can't see salvation. They can't see squat. And you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You see, friends, in Rome, they say from the emperor of Rome to the least important person in the empire of Rome, the whole set of relationships worked with reciprocity. You only invited people who could pay you back and you built your network. My legwork is my network. The people I know is how far I'll go in business. And Jesus is saying, your network is nothing. You say, but Rory, I, I know experientially because in buying and selling, we're not part of buying and selling. We're part of sowing and reaping. You say, but we actually, I can afford my fees at Pretoria Country Club because when I meet there, it's actually a business expense because I meet enough business people then take people who can't afford to play golf. You say, but I'm not going to get anything out of it. That's the point. You're not going to get anything out of it. When COVID hit, friends, probably the leading financial expert in the church in the world who is the most successful multi-billionaire banker in Europe had a, had a communication Zoom group speaking to pastors about how to take churches through COVID. And, and I was on there. He's an incredible man. He's an incredibly generous man. He's a very kind man. But I was on the meeting and he said this. He said, if you pastors have not played golf with your businessmen before COVID, you're in deep trouble. And I deleted myself from the group. I said, I'm not gonna go around and play golf with fancy people to build the church. I'm gonna preach Christ. I'll preach Christ in socks. I'll preach Christ in short pants. I'll preach Christ in short shirts. I'll preach Christ in pink shirts, but I will preach Christ. 
Because the moment that I have to convince you through a meal or through a dinner or through an inner circle, I want to tell you the inner circle of the church is Jesus. The inner circle of the church is not Clinton, Rory, or the elders. The elders is just sitting here because God called us to lead this meeting. In any other meeting, friends, when you had Alpha, I sat right at the back there. I wasn't leading the meeting. I wasn't contributing the meeting. I sat at the back there. Friends, the inner circle of the church does not exist in the Bible. It does not exist in the Bible. Amen? I know it's challenging. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. I don't know how you got here today, but I want to say, Come, for everything is now ready. I was at that dinner when Peter was there, and by faith I stood up and I said, it's time now, guys, to get baptized. And it's a major, major wrestle. And Chris, just so that you know, that young man who got baptized went to Vodacliff High School. So when a headmaster gets baptized, it doesn't just affect the students like last week who got baptized, it affects the students that used to be at your school 20 years ago. And then your own daughter gets baptized. But they all alike began to make excuses. Woo-hoo. If you've ever led a home group in a church, you'll understand how it works. <laughs> From Tuesday night, five o'clock to seven o'clock. How's it? What's happening? You've heard every excuse in the book. Excuses are for sissies. <laughs> but they all began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it, please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out, please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the towns, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. That, my friends, is us. If you don't understand this, you will not understand bringing poor people into your house. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Three very, very simple things. Humble yourself. And God will exalt you. Humble yourself. Don't let somebody else do it. You humble yourself. And God will exalt you. I have a friend called Adrian Quinlivan. It doesn't matter, friend, what restaurant you go to. It doesn't matter what shop you go to. It doesn't matter if it's Vovotello in Olympus Center or Bloss. Every single table has got a good seat and a bad seat. Every table has got a good seat and a bad seat. And I've got a friend, Adrian, and I've noticed, because Jesus noticed, I've got a friend, Adrian, that every time I eat with him, he gets there before me and he takes the bad seat. Vovatello's got a bad seat, the seat that looks at the wall. 
The other seat looks at the car park. It's a better seat. We went to have a dinner, a lunch at, in Stellenbosch. There were six tables. We preached in the morning. There were six tables like this. When I got there, there were five men sitting at the head of the table, and Adrian was sitting at the tail of the table. I didn't say anything. I just said to Mel, do you notice something? He said, yeah, Adrian's sitting on the wrong side. I said, no, Adrian's sitting on the right side. So Adrian looked into the shop and I looked at the mountain. The other five guys who got there were looking at the mountain and their guests looked at him. So, so friends, we can choose every single day where we sit. And God says, humble yourself. And I will exalt you just like Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the nature of a servant, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him. Say God exalted him. Friends, unless whatever's inside of your heart dies inside of this room, you'll be offended every time a guy gets up with colored socks or says something you don't like. Humble yourself. When will God exalt me? I don't know when, but he will. But he will. I, I remember going to a dinner and, and the big businessman, billionaire businessman, is a guy called Yanni Muton, who owns PSG, started PSG. And I was invited to this dinner and I got there and I was right at the bottom of the table. Long table in the oyster box in, in Durban. And Yanni Muton was right at the front and everybody wanted to get to Yanni Muton because he wrote the book, I Got Fired. He used to be a stockbroker, then he got fired, then he started PSG and it's a success story. It just goes multiple, multiple, multiple and everybody bows down to Yanni Muton and I realized I'm not gonna get anywhere close to him tonight. I just sat there and he stood up there in very broken English. He says, I think you are important but I can't remember your names. And he said, I don't want to sit at the head of the table. So move around. We moved around and he sat next to me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't really know the share market that well. I said, Yanni, if I had um, 10 million rand, you know, I'm thinking, what can I go for, you know? Where should I invest in it? PSG. <laughs> I said, any other options? PSG. I said, where do you put your money? He said, PSG. I said, why? He says, because it's the best company in the country. I said, where do you go on holiday? He says, I've got all the money in the world to go anywhere I like, but I go on holiday in South Africa. And he says, hey, young man, stop reading the newspaper. There's too much negative stuff in there. There's enough opportunity in this country to change the world and to make money. Where, where are we going to invest our money? Here. We, we, we're going to invest. This is our family. This is our people. There, there are people that are needy here. There are people that need help here. There are people that... So just... Humble yourself and God will exalt us. Amen? Amen? Little bit by little bit by little bit. But this scripture actually comes from Leviticus 21. I always ask myself this question. Do you think you could ever preach a, script, a sermon from Leviticus? And then this scripture, what he's talking about, comes from Leviticus 21. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, For the generations to come, none of your descendants who has a defect may come near to offer the food of his God. No man who has any defect may come near. No man who is blind or lame, disfigured or deformed. No man with a crippled foot or hand, who is hunchbacked or dwarfed, who has any eye defect, or who has festering or running sores, 
and all of you can read. How's it at church? Lekkerbrew. <laughs> praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. So now you've bought your mother and you think he's got strange socks and he's talking about damaged testicles. What is this church all about? Well, let's look at it again. We know in the Old Testament that so God will never ever draw attention to any physical defect in you. The Old Testament is physical. The New Testament is spiritual. And Jesus healed every single one of these diseases. But he says, I'll tell you what, anyway, even if you're not healed, bring the blind, the lame, and the crippled. Bring them closer to me. Let me take you through that, friends, and ask you a very simple question. No man who is blind, every one of us, just keep the scripture up, every one of us has got a blind spot. Every single one of us. When you get in your car, you've got a blind spot mirror because sometimes you can't see the thing behind you. And Jesus touched you, and he welcomed you. And some of your eye surgeons sitting here, you know all the different eye diseases. That little girl who ran up here, her dad was an eye specialist in this church. And I had something on my eyes. I phoned her mom. I said, who must I go to? She sent me to another eye specialist who's in this church now. And he can stand up here and he can tell you all the human eye diseases, short-sightedness, long-sightedness, infections, styes. Every one of us have had them spiritually or physically. And God touched us. And he said, come and eat with me. Anyone who is blind or lame. You know, friends, a horse has got four legs. It only has to have one sore leg and it gets taken out of the race and it says the horse is lame. It doesn't have to be your whole life that's out of sync. It can just be one little area of your life where you don't walk lacquer. And you get eliminated and Jesus comes and he just heals lame man after lame man after lame man after lame man. He says, but I tell you what, if you're not healed, come anyway. Blind, lame, just come. We've got to be careful, friends, that when we look around, we don't find the defect in others while we are not aware of the defect in ourselves. Hunchback, when life's stuff is so heavy upon you, I sit and talk to people that have known Jesus for you. Jesus came and took the weight off me. I don't have to be buckled over. And dwarfed. When life's experiences make you little. I tell you, friends, one of the greatest driving factors of financial success in people's lives is because they grew up poor. And they drive. It is a debilitating littleness inside of you. I will never put my family through what I went through. That is not wholeness. You know, Jesus stood so that I can sit. And it doesn't matter where I sit. Because ultimately the Bible says I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. In heavenly places. I don't care where I sit on earth because I'm seated with Christ. Invited to weddings, not invited to weddings. Sitting in fancy places, not sitting in fancy places. Going to meetings and seeing others sitting around a boardroom table, not being included. You're seated with Christ. 
your lameness and your blindness and your disfigurement has been healed. What about damaged testicles, Rory? Well, I didn't really know, so I was praying this week about your balls. Well, who's going to preach it? So it says, who's going to preach it? And I met a man from San Diego this week, came, came to our church with, with, with one of the very hotshot preachers in South Africa's sons. Came to our church and I met this guy, his name's Aaron. I said, how are you, Aaron? I'm Rory. He started to weep. He said, Rory, this, the presence of God is in this building. I said, thank you, my bud. He said, who built it? I said, actually, you must see this group of people. They're amazing. Predominantly Afrikaans, generous-hearted, big capacity Advocates, lawyers, doctors, students. And he just wept. He just wept. Then we went into the war room. And I said, Aaron, tell me your story. He said, I'm a sex addict. I was a sex addict for 22 years. He said, my whole sexuality was deformed. I was married. I had hundreds of prostitutes, hundreds of one-night stands, hundreds. And I said, what happened? He said, I realized that if you confess to a Catholic priest, you go into a booth, you confess to a man that you can't see. He said, they've robbed confession from what God meant it to be. And he said, it never broke the power. And he said, the charismatic church is the same. They've got a set of counselors up at the front. And he said, I confess to them, I never broke the power. He said, confession is to go to somebody that you know. So I went to my wife and I said to her, I'm a sex addict. And the kingdom of God broke in. Now, most women would have run away, but somehow God kept his wife. And he said, when you confess to somebody who's close to you, the kingdom of God breaks in, and 97% of people get healed when you confess to somebody who's close to you. Please don't tell my dad, Rory. No, you must tell your dad. You must tell your dad. Rory, I've got a pornography problem. Please don't tell my mother. No, you must tell your mother. Because there's a damage in sexuality in this nation, friends, and it's going to be broken when we confess one to another, and the kingdom of God is going to come, and we're going to feast. Amen? So God can heal them, blind, lame, disfigured, dwarfed, hunched back, and damaged testicles. God can heal them, and if he doesn't, he just invites them anyway. Amen. I left my notes on the plane yesterday. I did a wedding in Durban last night. Sorry, I've gone over time. Heavenly Father, if we ourselves do not know that we are lame, and blind and crippled, then we'll never invite the lame and blind and crippled to our feast. But the feast is not for those who are busy with their property portfolio. The feast is not for those who are busy buying oxen and cars. The feast is not for those who prioritize relationships on earth. But Lord God, we know that property is important. 
We know that resources and cars and oxen to plow fields are important. We know, Lord God, that marriage is important. You speak about that. But there are two cows. One belongs to me, one belongs to the Lord. You're asking for priority, Lord God. You're asking for priority. You're asking for priority of time, resource. You're asking for my dining room table. You're asking for me to open my home to people that can't pay me back. I find this offensive. I find it hard. I find it challenging. I find men who walk in here with shoes and colored socks funny. Actually, Lord God, I find most people who are different to me funny. But Lord God, in the same way that you made me one with Christ, you made me one with my brother and sister. You said in Ephesians chapter 2, I am breaking down the dividing wall of hostility between rich and poor, between black and white, between English and Afrikaans, between outspoken and quiet. I'm breaking down the wall between rich and poor, and I'm going to make you one man. One new man. And you say, but I'll never be one with Rory. He's strange. No, friends, you're going to have to work it out until you become one with me, and I'm going to have to work it out until I become one with you. And as we wrestle it through and we have a peck of salt and we have a feast and the Portuguese provide the food and the Afrikaners bry it and we eat it little bit by little bit by little bit, God's going to take us and make us one. Lame, blind, crippled, disfigured, sex addicts. He's going to make us one. In Jesus' name, amen.